1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to New Books Network. I'm Tiadim Sulongkomer, the host of this channel. And today I'm here with Dr. Lucien and Dr. Eric to talk about uh, their edited book, Material Perspective on Religion, Conflict, and Violence. I think this is a very interesting book as it brings about the material perspective on these aspects that they are talking about. And I think I believe uh, we'll have a fruitful conversation even today also. So let me straight away go to both of the editors and uh, I'll ask both of them to introduce. Uh, one by one, yeah.
0: My name is uh, Richem Valire, I'm very happy to be here on the show, and I am working at Utrecht University in the Netherlands, I'm uh, doing research in profiles of religion in uh, situations of violent conflict, and well, since a few years I worked together with Erik Meinema, who is sitting next to me. And we give classes together for the last, I think it's six or seven years now. And the topic of these classes are religion and violence.
2: Yes, and um, I'm Erik Meinema. I do research um, as a scholar of religion uh, on religious diversity in the coastal region of Kenya. I did my uh, PhD uh, uh, on this, uh, this topic, uh, which was also supervised by Lucien von Lira. But we've been teaching together uh, for many years, as uh, Lucien said. And we have a common interest in the topic of uh, religion and violence. And this is how we ended up uh, working on this project uh, together.
1: No, That's really interesting that both uh, the supervisor and the students are actually going on to work together and doing such wonderful work. It's really good to hear that one. So moving on. I think this is an interesting work, and as uh, Dr. Eric also have said that it is it was part of his PhD work. But uh, tell me the journey of uh, coming towards uh, this work and this book in particular, right? What was the journey uh, in terms of the academic journey that uh, was there, in, in terms of the conceptual formation and how the all the chapters came together? Yeah.
0: yeah. That's a really great question. I think my interest in the whole question of uh, religion-related violence uh, started even before 9-11. I was living in Jakarta then, in Indonesia, and I saw how people responded to to what happened in the United States. Uh, And of course, in the slipstream of 9-11, there were a lot of interpretations and perspectives and views on how what really happened was caused by belief, and by faith, or by ideology, and by frustration, and all kinds of terms came to the fore to interpret what happened in the, in the US, uh, I was always a little bit dissatisfied. Although, um, I know that these interpretations were valuable, uh, I was thinking some, something was missing. Uh, because they were very general perspectives and very general views on the causes of religion, fi- religious violence. And I was thinking that we should focus more deeply um, uh, on the actors of violence and what they think they were doing and how they relate to specific networks they uh, they lived in, um, and what kind of ideas. Uh, are related to their uh, specific backgrounds. So all these questions came to the fore during uh, in, in the time, you might say, between 9-11 and the genesis of this book. Um in, in conflict studies there was a lot of focus on these mentalistic approaches on violence. So uh, if we speak about the causes of violence, people tend to speak about uh, situations of discrimination, social exclusion, economic deprivation, and that kind of things. Um, however, there is less attention for specific biographical notes on why people commit violence and how these reasons are related to the networks to which they belong to the specific individual biographies of people and i always thought this was the, the interpretations of, of well, more general views on, on the finance were um, were not uh, satisfactory in in the analysis of finance so that's when uh, Erik and I work together on the material approach and here in Utrecht we have a very good context because we work both in the um, in the, the the group of Birgit Meyer who is very much focused on so-called religion religious matters so the material interpretation of religion um and we thought, well, this is very interesting to combine conflict studies on the one hand with more general mentalistic approaches towards violence, and on the other hand, also material religion and um, the very sensibility that creates material religion towards things of conflict. So and that was the the initial intuition you might say of what, what that created this book.
1: Yeah, quite interesting. Eric, can, can you also tell us about your academic journey? Yeah. yeah,
2: Yeah, I can also say a little bit more about that. I think that uh, um, as a scholar who is interested in religious diversity um, and how religious diversity is also regulated, for example, by governments or by civil society organizations in legal debates, uh, of course, uh, if you're interested in the topic, uh, you are interested also in how things are uh, perhaps um, regulated in a way that uh, leads to cohesion, but sometimes also to tensions and conflicts. So that is one um, reason why I've also always been interested in the topic of, um, um, of religion and violence. Um, and also particularly in relation to our book, I think uh, we've been teaching a course on religion conflict and violence uh, together, uh, Lucien and I, for for quite a few number of years, and we've always been dissatisfied also in the way in which religion is primarily often approached as a a set of concepts, very a mentalistic approach of religion, uh, by asking questions, for example, about how religious traditions legitimize uh, violence uh, or perhaps even promote violence through particular radical or ideological understandings of particular religious traditions and these interpretations have their value, but as Lucien said, uh, if you approach also a religion from a material perspective, uh, other things come into view, namely the ways in which uh, religions are also tied to Uh, ways of living together, uh, tied to ways of interacting with things and objects, uh, how people are drawn together also by particular religious infrastructures. Uh, Religious uh, traditions can also provide things like humanitarian aid in conflict situations. So if you approach religion from this uh, material perspective, um, much more can be seen. And we thought it was interesting to include this uh, uh, in understandings also uh, of uh, religion-related violence.
1: Yeah, interesting. And I think both of you also kind of um, talk about how the religion, the topic of religion and violence has been studied and looked at, and also both of you are coming to give a different perspective to it. So can you give us an overview of uh, the scholarship on religion and violence? Can you, yeah, give us an overview there, yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you. This, this is a very wide question, so to say. Um, well, I think there is one great impact on the study of religious violence that started in the late, late 1960s with the literature of uh, Johann Galtung and later on also with uh, Pierre Bourdieu, um, with the introduction of concepts like symbolic violence, cultural violence, structural violence... And these uh, concepts really widened the focus of uh, scholarly research uh, if it comes to uh, to religion. Um, The idea behind this was that violence is much more than the knife uh, that is used to hurt or to kill people or the weapon that is used to hurt or kill people. Violence is always something that is already prepared in the structures in a society in which people tend to justify the use of violence towards certain subjects. Um, And these intuitions had a great impact on the study of, uh, of violence as such. If it comes to religious violence specifically, uh, we have, of course, since 1999, the literature and even before 1992 already, the literature of Mark Jurgensmeier, which um, he has conducted great interviews with actors of religious violence or those people justifying religious violence. But what he did also was using this concept of cosmic war. Uh, as a a leading concept in analyzing religious violence in which he says that people have the tendency to distinguish between what is good and what is bad. Uh, But not so much on a social level, but much more on an ontological, say metaphysical or even a transcendental level. And this had great impact on the scholarly of of religious violence. the problem with this view, although it might be true in some cases, look at American evangelicals, for example, some branches of American evangelicalism, um, with their ideas of, of an apocalyptic Armageddon and that kind of, uh, of themes. I think they are very important also to analyze their stand in the political realm of the US, for example. Uh, but it doesn't count for all context of religion related violence. Um, And what we do is we ask attention for the specific locality of violence, the infrastructure of violence that is much broader than how people afterwards interpret what goes on. So it's um, uh, paying attention to how people understand what goes on, not only at a metaphysical level based on ideas that are generated by their religion, for example, uh, but also in the specific locality what happens? How? What happens if a church is burned down, for example, or a mosque is burned down in a certain conflict? What does that do to the local community? How do people interpret um, the finance of the other, for example? How does that create identities? And there is a tendency also that identities are problematic. In the in the analysis of re- of violence, specifically in the analysis of religious violence, as if religion would be an identity or identical to certain identity formations. Uh, however, on the other hand, you can also argue, like Max Bergholz has done in his fantastic book on generative violence, that identity might be generated through episodes of violence. So identity might also be. Might also be resulted from violence, uh, from violent situations. So, and that is more or less the intuition that we had: that the, the complexity of violence is much more greater, and the idea that there is something like a cosmic war, or there is a transcendental idea, or there is a belief in the legitimation or justification of violence. Um, only leads astray in some sense uh, because it generates general terms in which religious finance should be understood, and that is not very fruitful for lo- for the analysis of what really happens uh, at grassroots level.
1: Yes quite really interesting yeah so uh, coming to dr Eric I wanted to ask something about religion obviously uh, in this podcast I've been asking almost everyone the aspect of what is religion and all this definitional aspect of religion but I think in academic parlance I think we have gone beyond the very definitional aspect of religion and we are we actually look at religion from a very different perspective now so um, you talk about the structural and the conceptual aspect of religion so can you can you explain a little bit about what uh, this religion religion is and how you're looking at in terms of this the conflict, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think uh, if you look at um, a material approach to the study of uh, religion that has been developed by scholars such as Birgit Meyer, but also David Morgan, uh, religion is primarily seen as um, a discursive, but also material means Uh, through which people connect themselves to something that is bigger than themselves. You can call that transcendence or beyond or gods or divinities. And uh, that is intrinsically also material because people relate to particular material forms through which a sense of um, uh, the sacred is generated in the interaction between humans and, and things. And we find that approach... Instructive, And I think also if you look at the work uh, of scholars such as Birgit Myers, she has also thought about in cooperation with several other scholar- scholars about how different approaches to the ways in which people relate to gods or spirits or ancestors or whatsoever um, may also lead to conflict. Uh, because uh, the same objects or the same things might also function differently uh, in plural settings, in diverse settings. Um, and conflicts over how to relate to gods or spirits may cause uh, conflicts or tensions. Um, in our uh, book, we've also tried to broaden this approach by also looking at how people generate a sense of community along religious lines through their engagement uh, with things. So people might, for example, feel very closely connected to their church or their mosques because it. Uh, provides them a place in which they uh, in which religious practices uh, take place. Um, and if those places or other objects that are important to particular groups are destroyed or harmed in situations of conflict, this may also influence uh, conflict situations. Uh, so we've kind of um, looked a little bit broader by looking also at um, the infrastructures. Mm-hmm on which uh, religious practices and also a of religious communities depend and how they be- can become contested in uh, situations that are characterized by uh, conflicts and violence. So in that sense, um, we take inspiration from this material approach to the study of religion, but also look a bit broader by not only looking at those specific objects that are directly connected to religious practices in which people generate a sense of uh, interaction with something that can be called divine or transcendent, but also uh, looking at how uh, religious lives and sense of religious community are sustained by uh, the ways in which people interact with, uh, with things, with religious infrastructures. And these may uh, often be also um, uh, very important in uh, situations in which uh, conflicts arise or violence arises along religious lines, because it's not always ideology that is very important, religious ideology that determines or legitimates violence or causes violence by, for example, legitimizing violence. Um, but um, uh, also a sense of having unequal access to religious infrastructure, not having the same opportunities as other religious groups to manifest oneself or one's religious community in public life or not having the same economic or political opportunities um, via the religious uh, infrastructures uh, to whom one is connected. So in this sense, uh, sometimes religious infrastructures are much more important and much more contested and debated in uh, situations of, uh, that are con- characterized by conflict and violence than religious ideology. And we think that this is one of the central points uh, of our book, that it is important to look at these broader religious infrastructures and not at religious ideology uh, alone. And in this sense, this is also um, uh, thematizing this how religious infrastructures are connected to uh, conflict situations um, is also one way in which we aim to contribute to the field of uh, the material study of religion, in which uh, things like iconoclasm um, and also um, offensive images have been often been um, uh, theorized. Uh, and there's some very good scholarly work out there already, um, but the topic of conflict and violent, uh, violence itself has been uh, less often uh, explicitly theorized, so in this sense we also aim to contribute to the the field of uh, the material religion by thematizing and theorizing this uh, in our edited volume
0: yeah may, maybe just to add something if I may yeah so so religion yeah religion for us is not just power it's not just authority it's not just texts it's not just um, community but it's the Complicated relationships that people have with each other uh, around certain discourses and around certain materiality yeah. that you might understand as the infrastructure in which people relate to each other, with, in which they build their networks.
1: Yeah, yeah, quite uh, elaborate overview actually so one of the foundational aspects of your work is also based on the material turn in religious study, The what we call as the material turn, so um, can you uh, any uh, any one of you elaborate on this uh, material turn in religious studies, yeah
2: I think that's yeah better for you to do well I already um, uh, said uh, quite a bit uh, about this in my previous answer in the sense that we are inspired by the a material turn um, in the study of religion because it offers us uh, a broader way of theorizing um, religion that not only focuses on religious ideas and religious ideologies or a mentalistic conception of religion, um, but emphasizes material aspects of religion. And in this sense, uh, we can all recognize that uh, religions are... Um, a material true and true, uh, they do not exist independently from uh, the bodies of people, the things that people do um, uh, the things with which they uh, interact and we have taken this as a starting point to reflect more broadly on what the role is of uh, of religion in uh, religion related conflict and, um, and, and violence um, Anything to add to that?
0: <laughs> no, I think that's uh, that's great. Well, the, the, of course, materiality functions within religious communities and uh, materiality is, uh, is part and parcel of how people understand what they exactly believe. So what we want to get rid of is that religion or the, the material religion approach wants to get rid of is that religion is only circles only around belief and faith and a set of doctrines. Religion is much more than that. It's not not that. It's also that, but it's also materiality. It's also the building in which people gather. It's also the statue of Mary. It's also the, crucif- the crucifixion and the representation of that. It's also the senses and the smell of um, uh, in 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 churches, in mosques, or in Hindu temples. So. Um, Religion is is also appeals to the senses of people, both visually or um, uh, all kind of uh, in, in smell or in what you hear and how you hear it, and how you understand the voices of your leaders, for example. Uh, it's not only content; it's also form in a certain sense.
1: Yes, yes, true. Now, both of you are, have also pointed out on the, some of the aspects of this network approach that you have talked about. Now, I, I want to go into this one and where I want any one of you to elaborate on this network approach to religion and conflict or religion and violence per se. So um, c- can you elaborate more on this network approach? Yeah.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, the, the, the subtitle of our book is Things of Conflict. So if you think about this things of conflict, what precisely is a thing of conflict? And we argue that everything can become a thing of conflict in a certain sense because it is part of a social network. Um, how does a thing become a, co- a thing of conflict? People talk about something, people discuss something, people contest something. Uh, People try to understand uh, something. People destroy something. Uh, And these things, they become charged with how social networks and social communities perceive these things and so they become important in certain contexts, in certain historical context and also also they become medialized for example uh, think about the muhammad cartoons think about the burning of the quran uh, that kind of things they become medialized things of conflict Uh, But the interesting thing is that the thing in and on itself is just a thing, right? So it's the meaning that is given to what happens to the thing is the the perspective of the community. Uh, And this community may be be hurt in a certain sense by what they think has been done to the thing. So they see burning the, the Quran being burned, for example, in uh, by Terry Jones in the, south, the southern part, somewhere in the United States. But it is medialized, and people in Jalalabad or in Jakarta, they go to the streets to protest against it, not because um, the Quran can't handle this, but the Quran uh, represents this community. It's not the Quran that is heard in a certain sense, but it's the community that is hurt in a certain sense. And there is a moral perspective that is living uh, in this thing in a certain sense. So people relate to the thing and they feel hurt because of this moral judgment that they think is present in what people do to these things.
1: Yes, yes. Um quite interesting <laughs> Just the top yeah. Of, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, So I think um, the discussion of uh, the book uh, really revolves around, you know, icon, idolatry and infrastructure and all of those aspects. And I think uh, the contributors have really brought out, uh, you know, different perspectives. So uh, can both of you, you know, uh, bring out some of the perspective from the contributors that are there, which will help aid in, you know, understanding the the methodological perspective, but also at the same time help aid in understanding some of the findings that are there, right? Some of the relevant findings in terms of the uh, material perspective for religion so yeah can both of you bring out some of the uh, that aspects in the that idea in the chapters yeah
2: um yeah i can do that um i think um uh, if you look for example at uh, the chapter by uh, Tommy wilkes who wrote about uh, parts of the kibera neighborhood of nairobi being bulldozed in order to make place for uh, a bypass road it shows uh, very uh, nicely and interestingly how um, religion is much more than ideas alone because part of what was destroyed by the bulldozers in the Kibera neighborhood were um, some of the buildings that belonged to a a particular Muslim community, Nubian Muslims who who, uh, live in Kibera and who depend on these buildings, who they rent out for sustaining themselves. So they saw these properties as, uh, as vital for their, uh, their existence in, in, in Kibera. And as soon as these uh, buildings were destroyed, um, it raised a lot of questions also uh, about how, um, how the state relates to their community, uh, how it respects their right, uh, rights or not, how they relate also to their neighbors in, 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 in Kibera. So I think that chapter shows very nicely how the religious infrastructures Um, are important to take into account in situations in which uh, violence occurs. Um, And it also, I think, what I just said relates to also what is written about by Christoph Baumgartner in his uh, chapter, um, who writes about how certain uh, temporal formations, so how time is being organized by the German state, Uh, influence opportunities for various religious groups to express themselves or not to express themselves. Because in some cases, the German states or different uh, uh, Bundesländer use uh, uh, or respect Christian uh, um, festivities uh, in their calendar, which of course allows Christians to celebrate uh, uh, their religious feasts, but not necessarily the same space is given to other religious groups or even uh, uh, German citizens who consider themselves to be secular. So also the ways in which diversity is organized by the state is uh, hardly ever neutral and might lead certain temporal formations to become things of uh, things of conflict. So um, uh, I think this illustrates very well how things of conflict arise Often in settings of diversity, because people have different interpretations of how temporal forms or material objects should be organized, how they should be respected or cherished, or how they might be idols or whatsoever. So that, uh, the tensions arise in uh, contexts of diversity, but also that states are very often very much involved in uh, regulating this diversity, and that state regulations themselves may also be. Um, uh, contested and and often uh, uh, um, uh, open up tensions and and conflicts to arise. So these are just two examples, I think, uh, 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 from the chapters of our book that illustrate uh, some of the more general theoretical points that we want to make. But perhaps you have uh, more ideas? Yeah,
0: sure. I think every chapter has a specific focus on a material thing. Um, and I, I would like to direct attention also to the first chapter written by Yunus Aramifar on the, 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 the role of weapons in, uh, in in the Iranian militia fighting Islamic State. Uh, and this is very interesting because what he shows very well, I think, is that in such a battle... Uh, the ideology is not important, so the, the specific identity of these groups are not important. What is important is the social, yeah, is, is being socialized in violence, and in, in creating a specific micro network in which a weapon becomes your best friend. So weapons are personalized in that situation. It's not about fighting radical Islam or something like that or um, Mm -hmm. fighting a wrong ideology. For these actors, uh, the weapon is the best friend and it's something that you share with your your peers in a micro-combat zone. So this is also very important and say something about Uh, about violence that also relates, in my view, to what Randall Collins is doing in his micro-analysis of violence, in which he says, well, it's not about motives in situations of violent conflict, uh, but it's about, well, finding domination, for example, um, relating the relationship between perpetrator and victim, which is very important uh, in that sense for the outcome of, um, of, of the violent situation. Um, and he wants to get rid of, of these motives in authority, in tax, in ideologies, in religions, etc. And this for us is, of course, very important and interesting because it's, uh, it gives us the, us the opportunity also to develop some kind of a micro- uh, situation uh, that relates very much to the infrastructure and to the things of conflict that we bring to the fore in our book that are charged with these social networks and so with these interpretations saying a weapon for example or a calendar as in the, the article by Christoph Baumkartner or even a bulldozer as a, a weapon in the, the article by Tommy Wilkes.
1: Yeah, yeah, quite interesting. Now, as we come to the end of the discussion, I want to ask uh, both of you this one and I want both of your perspective and answer on this, right? Since both of you are teaching uh, this course on religion and materiality and conflict, um I wanted to ask both of you uh, an advice for like early scholars or students, right, who are looking into this. Uh, aspect as to okay I want to work into this methodologically how do I approach this and what is the future in the research of this right in this area so uh, can you give us some kind of advice or also at the same time some kind of methodological perspective as to how to approach this uh, for an early scholar or a student who is looking into uh, this aspect yeah
0: Shall I start or shall yeah. you start? Okay, you can this start. is this is an absolutely very fascinating question. Uh, I did not expect this one, but uh, it's it's absolutely very fascinating. I would say, but uh, Eric, please um, uh, add something to this. Mm. Um, I would say that in in conflict analysis, that involves religion or religious actors, people identifying with religion and um, and and being in a conflict situation that is seen also by the outside world as religious, we should focus on micro situational elements like uh, materiality, like um, how how are frustrations and how is anger organized, for example, in these uh, micro situations, Um, how are accidents interpreted, how are narratives spread, uh, how is gossip uh, developing, um, how is leadership understood, uh, but also all kinds of other elements like, well, the, the, the example of weapons, how are weapons uh, seen as, as personalized friends in those situations? Uh, how is alcohol and drugs, which also plays an important role in in some uh, conflict situations, uh, how does this impact how people uh, relate to uh, to uh, violent situations? And uh, so my general my general advice would be to look very closely at the infrastructure of violent conflict and not to take all kinds of motives for granted, not to dive into religion or ideology and pit it against each other, or to see all kinds of political exclusions of traumatized societies, that kind of elements. They might be in in in, they might be important, but they are only important if they are translated at a micro-level of violent conflict. So that would be my advice. Start bottom-up. Start in the locality. And then see what kind of elements are there that we can identify and that we try to understand how this relates to the social networks to, in which they are um, yeah, becoming meaningful.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I think the advice that I have is uh, very much along the lines as uh, Lucien described, because um, um, if you talk about conflicts and violence um, uh, often uh, representations of it are very much contested, so people have very differing perspectives on uh, if if violence takes place, about what exactly happened, how it should be interpreted, and uh, nothing Uh, about these representations should be taken for granted. Uh, Instead, uh, we should very closely study how these representations and interpretations of conflict, how they arise and how they contrast or align with um, uh, other empirical elements that we can study. And of course, uh, exactly this is often uh, very difficult in situations of conflict and violence because it is often very difficult to uh, study this directly uh, uh, empirically, because that can be dangerous, but nevertheless, uh, I would encourage people to not take those representations for granted, mm-hmm. but to, uh, to study very closely, empirically how they arise and how they uh, connect to what happens exactly in, indeed in those micro situations, the, uh, the micro dynamics of violence in, in, in cases in which violence arises.
0: Yeah, I, I, w- I would like to add some uh, one point, and that's that if we look as humans at at episodes of violence, we have of course a very quick moral judgment because we are very much against violence, right? And that also determines how we look at it, um, how we try to analyze it, because we we love uh, if 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 a conflict is black and white. Uh, We love it if there are perpetrators and victims because then we can support the victims. Uh, The problem is that conflict is very complex and it's very messy and bad guys and good guys are not always distinguishable. Um, So that would also be a lesson if you look at conflict. uh, Of course, the, the attraction of conflict is that we want to take position because that's only human to do so. Uh, but the challenge is to analyze and to look at micro uh, situations and that even perpetrators think that they have the reason to do what they do.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, very good advice from both of you. Yeah, really interesting. Um Uh, You know, there are so many more things to be discussed, but I hope that the listeners have got an overview of the work and some of the conceptual and, you know, methodological framework. Now, I'm sure people, as people listen to this podcast, people like to ask some questions to both of you or, uh, you know, approach both of you for some clarity on your work uh, in whichever way. So um, if people want to approach to you, how do they approach you? Email, social media, which way will be better? Yeah.
0: Yes, we, we are very happy if people have questions or if they want to contact us. Just write an email. I think that's best.
1: Great, great. And so, um, to both of you, uh, what is your next project academically? Uh, what are you looking at? And you know, what are the fun things academically ahead of both of you? Yeah.
2: Well, um, actually, um, uh, building on the project uh, that we are discussing today. Um, uh, we are now developing uh, a new project uh, on the meaning of weapons in which we want to closely uh, study or more closely study because some elements were already in, um, in the book, but we want to uh, more closely study uh, how weapons um, figure in situations that are characterized um, uh, by violent conflict. and Now, they are also interpreted in various cultural and religious uh, settings. So uh, we've uh, recently sent out a a call for chapters and we are developing a new project based on that. And the reason why we focus on this is that uh, we think that one of the aspects that is very interesting um, about uh, our previous project but was not or could be highlighted more is uh, the materiality of violence itself. So what happens uh, in the close interaction between humans and weapons um, uh, at the moment at which uh, violent conflict takes place, and how are also these relationships between people and weapons, how are they interpreted or given meaning in particular cultural um, and uh, religious uh, settings? so that is the focus of our um, of our next project, and it is an interdisciplinary project, so we uh, want to invite also scholars not only from religious studies, but also from conflict studies, uh, um, from uh, psychology, from media studies, uh, to reflect on this. Because, of course, we all know how weapons figure very prominently, not only in conflict situations, but also in the ways in which conflicts are memorized, also in movies and video games, uh, sometimes even in uh, museums and these kind of settings. Um, So we think that it is high time that... uh, the meaning of weapons um, in different cultural and religious settings and conflict situations uh, is uh, given more attention. So that is the focus of our, of our next project.
1: Yeah, very interesting. I think both of your the current project and the next project that is there ahead of you is very much, um, you know, very much relevant to the society in terms of understanding conflict, understanding ourselves, and you know how do we really uh, resolve all of those things ahead of us by having a multi-sided understanding of this aspect. So that is something which is very interesting. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Lucian and Dr. Eric, for being here at New Books Narrow. I'm sure the listeners have loved the conversation with you, and I request the listeners to get a hold of uh, your book uh, go through it and if you don't understand anything as uh, some of the aspect and if you want to pursue further you can actually approach both of them and yeah it has been a wonderful time having this conversation with both of you thank you very much and take care bye-bye thank you
2: very thank you. much thank you for having us